We're going to read the Bible. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 26. And I'd like you to turn with me, if you can, Matthew 26. And we're going to read verses 1 all the way through 13. I'm going to read fast, and I'm going to ask you to join me on verse 13. I'm going to start right away. Matthew 26, I'm going to start at verse 1. And the Bible says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people into the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, verse 4, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Verse 6, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Now I'm going to ask you to read 13 with me, and I'm going to ask you to do something for me. The moment we finish the last word of 13, I want us all to say the word wow together, okay? So we're going to read 13, finish the last word, and we're going to say wow, okay? Ready? Go. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her wow. Let's go to Mark, Mark chapter 14, and we're going to spend most of our time here in Mark today. Same story, but I want us to say wow one more time, okay? So we're going to go Mark 14, 3 through 9. I'll read 3 through 8 real fast, then we'll read 9 together and say wow at the end of verse 9, okay? Here we go. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Let's read together in verse 9. Here we go. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Wow. Good job. You did a great job. I, I was thinking about preaching a message from this passage, and I, I went to the college this morning, and I saw two things. Number one, I saw Skylar's crazy suit. Where's Skylar at? And, uh, and uh, then Skylar got called up on the platform at the, at the college chapel today with his great suit. And that was great. The second thing, though, that I learned from chapel today was Brother Judah was preaching, and he made a statement at the beginning. He said, some messages have to be heard. And he was explaining to the college students that the message today that he preached had to be heard. And I feel like the message tonight, I'm not sure if it applies to everybody every day, but I feel like it's a message that has to be heard. And I believe that I'm backed up by what Jesus said t- tonight in the verses we read. And I believe that I want to I preach to you tonight a message, I'll give you the title later, but a message about this, this, this lady. I want to ask a question. Did Jesus really say that her story was supposed to be told everywhere that his gospel was preached? Did you hear that? Did you hear that wow type of statement? Did Jesus really say that everywhere in the whole world that my gospel is preached, I want this crazy lady's story told as well? Did Jesus really say that, yes, I want my gospel preached? I believe it's Matthew 24 where he first said, I want my gospel preached throughout the whole world. And a couple chapters later, is he really saying 
that I want that same place, all the places where my gospel is preached, I want this lady's story to be told? And the answer is a clear yes. That's really what he said. Wow. I want to ask this question. I want to answer this question tonight. What made her and her actions so special that her story is supposed to get equal face time with Jesus? What made her and her actions so special that if someone preaches the gospel in a new place, in a new country, to a new culture, to a new crowd of people, Jesus is saying, hey, one of those first few sermons I want you to preach about is to tell this lady's story. What makes this lady so special that her message, her story, is supposed to be told to the whole world just like Jesus' story? And that's what I want to look at tonight. I want to say, by way of introduction, I have, I have a couple different outlines here. So by way of introduction, number one, we see first an imperfect person in this story. We see first an imperfect person. This story is told once in each of the four Gospels. In Matthew 26, we read the story, and we said, wow. In Mark 14, we read the story, we said, wow. In Luke chapter 7, the story appears a little differently. I personally believe it's the same story. And you can study it. Some people say it happened three times. Some people say it happened twice. Some people say it happened once. For the sake of tonight, we're going to say it happened one time. There was a woman, and she poured ointment on Jesus' head. It poured down to his feet. She kissed his feet, and so on. In, in Luke, though, the Bible specifically lays out the fact that this woman was a sinner. In John, it tells the story and tells us that this woman was Mary. And if the story is the same, which I believe, I believe it probably is the same story, that means that Mary was a sinner and that, 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 that it was, they were in a person's house named Simon in Bethany. And they were eating together with Lazarus and Mary and Martha all together in the same house. And there was a lot of, a lot of interesting things. But in Luke, it specifically tells us that this woman was somebody who is, was termed a sinner. It seems to me, like I said, that this, this story probably only happened once, but either way, we're going to pretend like it did for tonight, and I'm going to talk about this imperfect person. Let's, let's think about for a second what happened there, just for a second. What happened on that day when Jesus was eating at Simon's house? Jesus and his disciples were invited to Simon the Pharisee's house. Simon the former leper, it looks like from the story. And, and Jesus comes there to the house, and he's, he's just sitting down to eat. He's got all the religious, all the important, all the good people around him. The 12 disciples, that, that yes, sometimes we talk about the fact that they weren't that impressive, but they were still spiritual people. They were still good people. They're sitting around him, kind of like us guys on the platform, we're all, we're all, we're all sitting together, we're, we're about to get ready to do something. And then all of a sudden, somebody who totally doesn't match totally doesn't belong, walks in, an imperfect person. And to be honest, the disciples and, and Judas in one of the stories, Judas specifically says something bad about her. Whispers to, they whisper to each other and say, what's this lady doing? Why is she here? What's the big deal? And Jesus, of course, corrects them and makes these statements of, of, uh, that, that he likes what she does. He praises her. We see the setting that Simon the Pharisee and the former leper invited Jesus and his disciples. They were eating and they suddenly got interrupted by this sinner. She didn't fit in. She wasn't all that. She didn't have it all together. She had some issues, some problems, some struggles. She had been hurt and she had hurt others. And I don't know her exact story, but I imagine that it was a rough one. And yet Jesus praised her exceedingly. By way of introduction, number one, I just want to say that we see this imperfect person Number two, we see this impossible problem. I want to share a thought that maybe you haven't thought about before. Maybe you have. This impossible problem. Did you know that Jesus had predicted his death eight times? Minimum. In Matthew 26, the reason we started at verse 1 is because I wanted somebody to hear. In verse 2, Jesus predicted his death possibly the eighth time 
he had predicted his death. And you've probably heard sermons before, you've probably heard preachers mention the fact the disciples didn't get it, and that's true. The disciples later remembered his words. But I believe personally there was a sinner who had been changed by Jesus that happened to hear when he predicted death. And we can show it tonight from the verses. But there was a sinner lady who said, I got a problem. The Jesus that I've just recently met, the Jesus that has already changed my life, the Jesus that I believe is God's son, has told us all publicly that he's about to get crucified. And that's a big problem for me because I don't want that to happen. I don't want them to take the Son of God and put him on a cross. I don't want them to take him away. He's been helping me. He's been teaching me. He's been changing me. And I'm getting changed by him. And I don't want them to take the Son of God and put him on a cross. She had a problem that she couldn't fix. She had a big deal that was an issue. She couldn't fix it. The disciples didn't get the fact that Jesus was about to die, but this lady did. What a horrible thought when you come up against something you can't change. You know, we read those, Brother Bushy read those eight funeral announcements, just thinking about our, our, our favorite Miss Kimberly. I was talking to somebody tonight just about her, and, and first things out of his mouth, she was my best friend. And we, 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 we look at a death like that, and we, we, we can ask all the typical questions like, why, God, why, right? And all the, all the things that we like to say. But the bottom line is, that's something we can't change. And this lady in this story, I want you to understand, she was faced with the truth that Jesus was going to get killed, and she had a problem. She didn't want Jesus to die. And by the way, I don't think any of us should have wanted Jesus to die at that point. The disciples didn't. But she was faced with with, with an impossible problem. She couldn't fix it. She couldn't change what Jesus was predicting. I can't stop my Lord, the Son of God, from getting killed. What a horrible thought. What can I do? Absolutely nothing. I can't stop, and we can't stop the hurt, the pain, the mess, the problems in life. I was talking to somebody last Saturday, and, and a couple, couple of men outside their, outside their house on 98th, 98th Street over there in Chicago, and they, 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 said, they said something like this. They said, can I just ask you a question? Why is this world such a mess? And I began to try to explain to them some of the biblical reasons for it. And of course, one of them being 2 Peter 3, 9, where God says he is not willing that any should perish and so on. But the thought that has come to my mind many times since then is there is a lot of mess in this world. Amen. Those of you who read the news and watch the news and, 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 and check, out, check out all the headlines that come across the, the news feed and, and, and to your phone, your iPad, and your computer, you know the world is a mess and we have a lot of impossible problems. But that's not the point of the message tonight. Number one, we see an imperfect person. Number two, we see an impossible problem. Number three, we see though, and this is where we're going to get into the real outline, we see number three, an important pattern. And I, I want to say a very important pattern according to Jesus. He said, this woman did something that we ought to learn from. And I believe we want to see tonight the important pattern. The others distanced themselves from this sinner lady. The others disagreed with her and judged her. Jesus, though, praised her. Why was she praised? Why had she wrought a good work on Jesus, as it says in verse 6? I believe the answer, of course, and many of you have heard a sermon like this probably before, or some some truth like this before, but I believe the answer is found in verse 8. The Bible says, she hath done what she could. She hath done what she could, and I believe that that would be the title of tonight's message. She hath done what she could. I'd like to propose to you tonight that when you do what you can for Jesus, you too are doing a great work for him. Let me say that again in case you didn't catch it. I think you did, but I propose to you that when you do what you can for Jesus, you are doing a good work on him. 
I'd like to give you four things she did, four specific actions she took that we also can take. And I'd like to encourage you tonight to do what you can for Jesus. I realize the people here tonight listening, the people even listening online, I realize you're the, as we say, the preaching to the choir, you're the cream of the crop, you're the people who are teaching the Sunday school classes, and you, you're, the, you're the people who are running the bus routes, you're the people who are all out for God. You're here three times a week, and that's awesome. But I believe sometimes all of us can get the attitude that I got problems, this lady did, and I got things I can't fix, and I'm just not going to do anything else. And this lady, I believe, had a different attitude. Can I encourage you tonight? Do what you can. Do all you can. You don't know my weakness, my faults, my shortcomings. But I think Jesus is saying back to that, you can still do what you can do. I'm going to share four thoughts tonight from the passages that we're looking at tonight. We're going to mostly be in Mark 14, but we'll turn to Luke, Luke 7 in a second. Number one, she gave. She gave. And I wrote down here on my paper, it says, if all you can do is give, then give all you can. You know, I like, I like this story. and I studied all the, all, the, all the meanings of all the Roman coins, and I studied all, it all out and found out that nobody really knows exactly how much this thing was worth, okay? But I will tell you that my best estimate is that it, it probably was roughly a year's wages. I've heard that before. What, the number I want to throw out there is $75,000. And that matches with, not, not my year's wages, but maybe some of yours. And uh, the, the number that I came up with, I can tell you later if you care to know why, why I'm using the number 75,000. But this, this is a very expensive package. And uh, it says here, one, pla- one passage here, it says more than 300 pence. Another one, it says 300 pence. It, another passage, it says sold for much. And I like that phrase, sold for much. This lady did not have a lot, spiritually speaking, and I believe maybe I can picture her walking into her, her apartment, let's say, after hearing the, the shocking news that Jesus said he was going to die. And I can picture her going to the apartment and saying, I can't change this. What can I do? And I can picture her looking around and maybe she had some spoils from her former life. Maybe she, some, some, some men in her life had given her some pretty impressive gifts. Maybe this was one of those gifts. I don't know. I'm not here to speculate. Maybe she had some, some, some expensive items that she liked. A lot of times, ladies, I don't know. I don't like anything expensive, personally. I just like food and cheap stuff. But uh, um, you give me a choice between steak and a hamburger, I'll eat McDonald's every day, personally. But a lot of you like nice stuff. And this lady, I think she liked nice stuff. And uh, she had, for whatever reason, she had a very nice, what the Bible refers to as an alabaster box of ointment. And it sounds like from the passage, the box itself wasn't the main valuable part. The ointment was the main valuable part, similar to what we might do with perfume or something. The box was really nice, by the way. The box was very impressive, but the, the more impressive thing was the ointment. And the ointment was very valuable. I was looking online and I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, prices of expensive perfumes. And I just gave up because I don't. I just looking at perfumes makes me sick, and uh, and uh, especially the prices. And don't tell my wife I said that; she's listening, of course. But uh, but uh, I just I, I was trying to figure out if there's any perfumes you know nowadays that are really expensive, and I don't know. They probably are, but I didn't I didn't find that answer. But uh, this lady had something very very valuable, and this this is the point. The point is, I think that she didn't have a lot she could do, but she did have something she can give. She could give, and I want to say this. I was thinking about Kimberly today, and I, I wrote this down, and I think I'm going to share it, but I apologize if I, I shouldn't. But um, Kimberly Wynn, of course, um, 
you know, many of you know her, and she, she's such a blessing to so many people. She loved, it. she loved to talk to anybody she got a chance to, but she loved to be a blessing. And we, me and my wife were talking today about how Miss Kimberly was always sweet to us and, and always just nothing but praise, nothing but love to us. And, and we got to know her a little extra special because uh, her, her, her sister, Annette, some of you know Annette as well, her sister Annette was on our bus for a little while. Uh, before she moved out of the area last year, and, and, uh, and we got to know Miss Kimberly. Miss Kimberly has ridden her night bus a couple times and fun stuff like that. But during missions conference this year, I was so blessed, and, and I don't know if I should tell the whole story, but I'm going to. And uh, she, she, turned in some, uh, she turned in some envelopes. She heard, you know how we have the, the list that tells the missionaries that are coming, and uh, I think we had 18 missionaries or something this year, and, and she took the list, and she went home with it, and she prepared an envelope for each each of the missionaries, and she wrote a note, and she got the notes crisscrossed, and so she put some of the people's notes in the wrong envelope, and I discovered that because I was responsible to open the envelopes and try to get it to the right people, and in those envelopes, it was such a blessing as I opened those envelopes from Miss Kimberly to these missionaries that she had never met, just an outpouring of love, but then in each envelope, there was 25 cents or 50 cents or all these little pennies, and I have no idea why she gave one fifty-two and one one dollar seventy-five. I still don't know, but but just such a blessing that you know, Miss Kimberly, she 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 worked at a fast food restaurant, and she she didn't have lots of money, and she wasn't able to drive around. That's part of the reason she was walking yesterday, of course. But she was somebody who gave. And I think about people like that, and I think about the excuses I make at my lack of giving. And, uh, you know, instead of it being where I'll split my 20 bucks around all the missionaries, I just keep my 20 bucks, you know. And I wonder how often do I tell myself I don't have to do anything because I can't do much. I feel like I should say that again. I wonder how often do I say I don't have to do anything because I can't do much. And this lady, I think, may have walked into her room and she may have taken something from her sinful past, maybe from a family gift, but she took this valuable gift and she said, I can't do anything to fix all the issues that are coming. I can't change the heart of the Jewish leaders. I can't change the Roman government who's going to take Jesus and throw him on a cross. I can't change the crowd that in a few days is going to turn against the Savior. All I can do is give. And so I'll do that. If all you can do is give, give all you can. That's number one. Number two, she loved. Let's go to Luke 7. She loved Luke 7. And I apologize. I'm not paying attention to the time, and I probably should be. I didn't even ask when I'm supposed to finish. And uh, so if I'm, if I'm fast, you'll, you'll, you'll like me. If I'm not, you won't, but I'll be okay with it. Luke 7, verse 47. Luke 7, 47. I should, I should, I should get going faster probably. Luke 7, 47. And I'm going to read this. If you want, you can stay here in Luke 7 for a couple minutes. But Luke 7, 47, the Bible says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. I like that. Her, her gift was worth much, and her love was worth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Once again, let me just say this. If all you can do is love, love all you can. You might say tonight, and I feel I, I'm with you on this one. I wrote this, these words related to me. I can't bring someone to spiritual maturity. I can't erase their bad decisions. I can't get through to what they really need so often when I'm trying to work with people. I can't seem to help. I can't bring them back to where they need to be. 
but I can love him. You know, in this story, kissing Jesus' feet was more significant to Jesus than anything else that could have been done for him at that point. And that's an awesome thought. Kissing Jesus' feet, to me, even reading the story, I'm with the disciples personally. I don't know if I should be, but I feel like it was a waste. In my flesh, anyways. And kissing Jesus' feet was not the thing that needed to be done, but Jesus said it was. And what love this lady showed to her Savior when all she could do was love him, she loved him all she could. We're going to go on. Number three. Number one, she gave. Number two, she loved. Number three, she served. Look at verse 44 through 46. I'll read this quickly. And he turned to the woman and said unto him, Simon, this is the host, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. I believe number three, what this woman did was significant. She served. And let me say this. Serving comes in a lot of different forms, and I almost combine the word love and the word serve in the same point, because they are very related in this passage. And of course, if you love somebody, you'll serve them, and if you're serving somebody, you won't keep doing it unless you love them, and so on. They're, they're very connected. But I felt like I should separate them, because I do think that some of us need an encouragement to take physical action, not just a general action. And love sometimes, to some of us, is good and helpful, and we need to love other people, but I think specifically, we need to take physical action to serve others. And I, I'm going I'm to read, read what I wrote, and, and, and then if I feel like I'm supposed to say anything else, I will. If not, I'll go to point four. If all you can do is serve, serve all you can. I don't have talent or ability. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't play. I can't do anything to take skill. But I can serve. You know, it was a good day, and this is not meant to be, just be preaching to the college students, but this apply, and this applies to everybody, I want you to understand, but it was a good day for me as a college student when I realized that the bus route didn't just need a preacher, a song leader, and a bus driver. It was a good day for me when I realized that they, they really needed somebody to run to the house and knock on the door. And they needed somebody to sweep the bus. Amen? All you, all you bus captains are, are saying amen right now. They really needed somebody to put up the windows when the bus driver was done. And the cool thing about that is anybody can do those jobs. I like that. I can do that. Psalm 8410, some of your favorite verses, somebody's probably favorite verse in the Bible, Psalm 8410, I'm going to turn to it just very quickly. It seems to apply to this point. But Psalm 8410 is is, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's a very famous verse. It says this, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And of course, the idea there is, 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 is enough for another sermon, but just the thought that I always get from it is, I want to go hold the door for somebody. And I know that's, that's, that's very, maybe too practical, but that's, that's what I always, I read the verse and I say, man, I want to open a door for somebody tomorrow. And I want to be somebody who says, God, I can't do much. I don't know where I fit in your kingdom and it doesn't really matter, but I know I can open somebody, the door for somebody and let them walk through. And oh, that we would have that attitude that this lady had. She said, Jesus, I can't do much today. I can't change everything. I'm not even invited to this dinner. I can't even sit down and eat with you. But I can walk in and I can give you a gift that's very valuable to me and to you. 
and I can love you and kiss your feet and I can serve you and wash your feet. We're going to go to number four. Number one, if all you can do is give, give all you can. Number two, if all you can do is love, love all you can. Number three, if all you can do is uh, serve, serve all you can. And number four, and this is where, I don't know, I like, I like number four, and I need this one. She prepared. I invite you to go back and study these passages, and I'm going to turn back to Mark 14. But I want, I want you to understand that the real essence of what she did was something that is amazing to me. She prepared. Verse 8 says this, She had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Now, I don't know all the ramifications, and I have not studied burial. I don't work at Memory Lane, and, and, and some of you do, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for you, but I don't know a lot of details. But I have looked into this a little bit, and I do know that it's something, what she was doing is something that needs to be done for a dead person. That's, that's, all, that's as deep as I'm going to get into it, okay? Okay, I know that dead people tend to stink, okay? And especially the longer they're dead, they tend to stink more. That's the, that's the science of it, okay? And what she did is she looked ahead and she got ready for a future she could not control. And that gets me because I need that. I need to do that. She said, I can't stop Jesus from being killed, but I can prepare for it. I'm going to preach it myself for a minute and uh, you can listen. If God wanted you to preach to thousands, would you be ready? If God wanted you to serve him on the mission field, would you be ready? If God wanted you to lead a soul to Christ, would you be ready? If God put that person in front of you that said, what must I do to be saved? Would you stutter and stammer and have no choice but to call somebody who could help you? It was a good day in my life when I realized that I was probably never going to be anybody special. I was probably never going to do anything impressive. I was probably never going to serve God in a, in a well-known way. But I could get ready just in case God ever wanted to use me. And I remember sitting in this auditorium in, 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 in pastor schools and youth conferences in, in, as a college student thinking that. But even before that, I remember coming to, to the old auditorium. And I remember, Brother Eddie, I, I told you this this week, kind of part of this story. But in 2003, 18 years ago this week, I came to Hallis Anderson College and I was more of a nobody than, than the college students are now because the college was a little bigger and nobody needed to know my name, okay? And nobody knew my name and, 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 and it was okay with me, by the way. And I, I liked it that way. And I didn't want to know anyone's name, but I remember I sat the first weekend in the packed auditorium over there and I, and I, and I, and I sat down next, I, I told Brother Eddie this week uh, that I sat down next to Brother Larry, the famous bus kid who's, who's, who's Division 14, you know, of course. And uh, I, I, my first weekend I was in Division 14 and I, I, I sat next to Brother Larry in accident and he's shouting amen, and I'm sitting there next to him, just, just, just enjoying being here. But, but I, it, was, it was in Bible college and before Bible college that I realized whether or not God was going to use me was irrelevant. I didn't have to figure that out. And I came here to Hiles Anderson College knowing for sure that God was not going to use me in a big way. But just in case, I promise you this was my attitude, just in case, I might as well get ready. I knew for sure I'd never be a preacher. I'd never be a pastor. And by the way, I was a pastor in China for many years, many years later. 
But I knew for sure I'd never be a pastor. I didn't even want to, really, I didn't even want to take the, like, the, the youth pastor thing because it would sound like I was actually planning to be a youth pastor. And, and it seemed like maybe the easiest thing to get into in some sense, but I didn't want to go that route because people would assume I actually was trying to be a youth pastor. And I, I didn't want that, but I knew this. I knew I had to prepare. And God had worked in my heart about going to China. And I'm so thankful he did. And there was a China team. Many of you know, of course, there, there still is a China team. But there was a China team, and I was so conscious that I was not going to be involved that people would walk with me in college and find out that I was, I was studying missions, and they would ask the obvious questions, and I would try to avoid their obvious questions. They would say, hey, hey, hey young man, uh, you, know, what, you know, what year are you in school? And I would answer, and they would say, what are you studying? And I would say, uh, 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 missions. And, and they would ask me, well, where are you going to go? And that was like, I, 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 was, I, I couldn't answer that question. I, I didn't want to say, I'm going to go to China. That sounds like I'm like trying to be on the China team and I'm actually going to put my name out there or something. And I'm not ever going to do that. And so I would hem and haw and finally I would say, I, I like China. And, and, and those, those who, 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 the few who knew me at that point, they could tell you that's true. I was very hesitant to even say, claim that I was ever going to be in China. And God did miracles in my life but the point of me saying this is this. I am so thankful that even when I was convinced God wasn't going to use me, I was willing to prepare just in case. And I wonder if there's someone out here tonight that needs to have that attitude. God, if you ever wanted me to lead my neighbor to Christ, I want to be ready to do it. God, if you ever wanted me to do something that I consider a big thing, a big deal, I want to be ready just in case. In China, I remember, you know, um, most of you in here obviously cannot speak Chinese, and I couldn't either when I went to China. And, um, and I like studying languages, but, but, but not enough to, 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 to learn it good. And, and I got to a point where I realized this same truth applied to Chinese learning. I realized that maybe I'll never need to preach in Chinese, but just in case, I might as well learn it. And that was one of the best decisions of my life. And now, even, to, even this week, I'll be able to preach in Chinese one more time just because, just in case, I decided to prepare. And I'm not trying to put myself as a good example in all these points, so that's why I'm telling the story only on point number four. But I hope that somebody out there is encouraged to say, God, I don't know what you got for me. God, I don't know what you're going to do with my life. God, I don't know the big things you have for me. Probably nothing big. But just in case you have something big, I want to get ready for it. That's why places like House Innocent College and HBI, Bible Institute are so important. If God wanted to bring revival, would you be ready? If God wanted someone to think about his son's, his son's death smell, would you be ready with some ointment? Let's review and let's finish. We said that today that this lady was special, so special that Jesus said, I want the whole world to hear her story. Story number two for Jesus was this lady who is unnamed in, in, in three of the four Gospels. Story number two for Jesus, and, 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 and not, to, not to be silly, but tonight in some sense, what I'm doing is what he told us to do. He said this story this lady was so impressive in her action because she did a good work for me. And we saw tonight the reason she did a good work was not because she did anything that would make the disciples clap their hands or, 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 or praise her. The reason she did a good work and the reason Jesus praised her is because she did what she could. And we gave you four words tonight that I hope you'll remember. 
And the four words are that, number one, she gave. And we said, if all you can do is give, give all you can. Number two, she loved. And if all you can do is love, then love all you can. This week, we're talking about today. And that was point number five or six, if I had time, today. She did it now. And number three, we said she served. And if all you can do is serve, serve all you can. Number four, we said she prepared. If all you can do is prepare for a potential future, then prepare all you can. You know what? Our world's a mess. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like I can't do anything to fix it. Amen? There's not a lot I can do, but there is something I can do for Jesus today. 